0: Hello and welcome to episode number 233 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is a romance fan named Elizabeth. She is a self-described avid reader, so we all know her, and she also has several learning disabilities. We start the podcast by talking about podcasts because, you know, that's not meta or anything. We talk a little bit about taking deep nerdy dives into things that you love and about meeting internet friends in real life. Then Elizabeth talks about her experience with several learning disabilities, including dyslexia and dysgraphia. We talk about how reading dialogue can be tricky when the character's conversations are written in dialect, how different brains read, and what accommodations were made for her in high school. We also talk about how she has adapted technology for reading and enjoying romances. There's also a little bit of quiet commentary from Orville, who shows up in the middle of the podcast because he's the sound engineer and was not getting enough attention. I am also a little quiet on this recording, and I've done some work to try to correct it, but if it's hard for you to hear me, I apologize. This podcast is brought to you by Kensington Publishing, who'd like you to know about Maverick Cowboy, THE Maverick Cowboy, by Kate Pierce. After a turbulent childhood, the Morgan brothers went their separate ways— leaving the family cattle ranch and their cowboy days far behind. But now, one by one, they're being called back to California. Have they been summoned to save the land or start a new legacy? In the second book in the New York Times bestselling author Kate Pierce's Morgan Ranch series, The Maverick Cowboy, Blue Morgan finds himself ready to come home. But after 10 years in the Marines, all Blue wants to do is live peacefully. Upon his arrival at Morgan Ranch, he discovers he may have a daughter he didn't know existed juggling, reconnecting with his brothers, and his new relationship with Maria, Blue doesn't have room for an unplanned romance, but he can't seem to shake the sparks between him and horse vet Jenna McDonald. Morgan Ranch is always full of surprises. The Maverick Cowboy by Kate Pierce is on sale now wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. I have compliments in this episode. It is always a good episode when I've got compliments. Are you ready for compliments? I hope so. To Stacy V., if someone created an internet meme about you, it would unquestionably go viral, and the resulting joyous traffic would bring about world peace and free pastries. And to Cami, a conversation with you is like the best vacation. After a few minutes with you, people feel relaxed, inspired, and confident with zero sunburn. And If you are wondering what this is about, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. If you are a fan or supporter of the show, you can contribute monthly as little as a dollar a month to help me commission transcripts, upgrade equipment, and, you know, become more gooder at the whole sound thing. If you've had a look or if you are already a patron, thank you very, very much. I very much appreciate it. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. And I will have links to all of the books that we talk about, plus several resources that Elizabeth mentions in the podcast entry at com slash podcast. And if you're an iTunes user, we have an iTunes page at iTunes.com slash DBSA, where you can find most recent episodes, links to the books, and some of the music that we have in the shows. And it's very, very convenient because it's all in one place. And now without any further delay, on with the podcast. My
1: name is Elizabeth Schoenthal, and I am uh, an avid reader and um, avid listener of the podcast. Thank
0: you. Now, oh my gosh, I love it so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I I was pretty convinced for like the first year or two, like eight total people were listening, maybe nine. And now I come to find out that there's like people all over the world who's like, yes, it's Friday, bitches.
1: Yes. So absolutely. I... Started listening, God, maybe like three or four years ago, um, and like when, when I found it, I was like, "This is this is these are my people. This is my thing." Like, <laughs> and I went back and, and I've listened to every single episode of the podcast. Oh, that's expensive. That's a lot of books. Yes,
0: I I'm a pretty avid podcast listener, and this is my favorite one. Oh, anyway, thank you. <laughs> That's just the biggest compliment given how many awesome podcasts there are out there. I've found myself listening to so many different shows and there's a point where I'm always like, oh my gosh, all these other shows are way more professionally edited than mine. (laughs) I'm really glad people listen to me because, wow, those are really good.
1: (laughs) One of the guys that I work with, he listens to podcasts all all day long while he's he's in one of our he works on the computer I sent him in December this list of like the 50 best podcasts of 2016 and he sent it back to me and he was like this was cool I found five podcasts I hadn't listened to before because I just force everyone around me to listen to me when I talk about romance novels. <laughs> um, I have even actually gotten him to listen to a couple episodes of, you know, this podcast, so... Oh, that's um, Yeah, I made him listen to the one that you
0: guys did on, like, Guys Who Read Romance. Oh, my God, I had so much fun doing that episode. And the, the two guys who were in, interviewed, Richard and Matt, they were so excited. Like, they were so into it.
1: Yeah, and and... John was just like, he was like, Oh, I'd never thought of that. But like women don't, you know, interact with the books in this way. But, but I could see how, like, as a guy, I definitely would. And so we had this whole conversation that was
0: like, this is just the best thing ever. Isn't it great? (laughs) It's so great. And I love how when you listen to podcasts, you can get some podcasts about some seriously specific interests. It's like deep diving into your very, very big thing. I mean, I listened to one that I've loved lately called Friendshipping. Have you listened to this one? No. Oh my gosh. It's like, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Okay. It would be like if, um, if, uh, Leslie Nope and her best friend who was played by Rashida Jones, whose name I can remember, mm-hmm. never remember. Um, uh, Anne. Thank you, Anne. It's like if Leslie and Anne had a podcast that was just about friendship. And it's these two women who work at uh, cards against humanity. So they're already very funny and very like able to laugh at themselves (laughs) and they have, it's Trin and Jen and that, and this is friendshipping and they answer questions about friendship. Like, what do I do if uh, my friend moves away and we lose touch and she's moving back and I really want to get in touch with her, but she's not answering any of my texts and she's not responding to my email and I don't understand. And they have the whole like series of episodes about friendship problems, making new friends, managing friend problems. What do you do if someone that you're really good friends with evolves and becomes a total misogynist? Like, is it your job to try to correct what mm-hmm. they think or do you just sort of be like, nope, bye, you're an asshole? And there's so much empathy yeah. and there's so much so much kindness in all of their advice. Seriously, it, it, oh, is, it is the best show to listen to when you're in a shitty mood because it's like, yes, people can suck. Here is, is mm-hmm. compassionate and empathetic and kind advice to deal with both sides. Oh, it's so good. You'll love it. I, you can't see my face right now, but it's full of joy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Do you listen to the Nerdette podcast? No, but I think I need to. Oh my God. It's so good. Um, it is, it's put out by Chicago Public Radio. Um, what and. Is it with them. They have all the good shows. I love it so much. It's these, um, these, uh, Trisha Bobita and Greta Hoffman. hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Trisha and Greta. Their thing is that everyone is nerdy about something. So let's find what you're nerdy about and celebrate it. So they interview like movie makers and authors and politicians and just all of these different women and celebrate like, you know, what they love and it's so good. And it's, it is kind in spirit. I just appreciate it so much. And then they did a, uh, spinoff series where they started watching cause they like watching Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, and the spin off series is uh, Nerdat Watches Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal, the oh. guy from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, God. That's
0: amazing.
1: It is so great because they do these like recap episodes and like they totally tease Peter and they have like the
0: patriarchy jingles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kid you not. It's so fun. <laughs> okay, I have to add this to my to my podcast app. Have you listened to Switched on Pop? I have I enjoy that one I enjoy it a lot too I love when they break down a particular song into the minute details but my Mm -hmm. absolute favorite is um, when they go deep deep nerd dive into classical music and how classical music often used the same techniques that pop music does now and so they'll connect like they'll connect uh, Dustin Timberlake to Haydn and I'm like I'm here for this oh my gosh I had no idea how much I wanted this until I started listening right now and now I am joyful Yes.
1: No, I love it. John, my, my friend from work that I mentioned before, he um, actually found a podcast that I haven't yet listened to, but I feel like I should. That is a, um, it's a deep dive into the music of Hamilton, like breaking down, like switched on pop, like, but breaking down like the rhyme structure and like getting very deep into the, uh, like compositional aspects. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I I don't know the name of it. I, I will have to find that. I'll message it to you. That's fine.
0: I'll add it to the Uh, show notes. Yeah, that'll be
1: great. But yeah, so I was like, this is a thing. And I, I know people that need this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the other thing I love about the internet It's, you know, I am personally, I'm not going to go back to school and, you know, get a degree in music theory, as much as I'm interested in music theory and and how music connects, that's not a thing that I'm going to, you know, be able to do. But if I want to deep dive, learn about something, I can do that with podcasts and websites and whole Mm -hmm. online options that let me educate my nerdy heart to my, to my absolute content. And it's so great.
1: Yeah, it it totally is. I have gotten into, um, listening to like, the politics podcast, so like NPR, politics, 538 politics, um, the run up, and just feeling like I need to stay informed on things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, I have my nerdy things, and then I have my politics things. But then that's kind of another, that's just another
0: form of nerdery, I guess. It is. My husband likes (laughs) to joke that um, politics is his favorite sport. It's, yes. like, it's really cool when you can take a deep dive into just never ending amounts of information and figure things out. I also think for me, though, for my brain, if I take a deep dive into something that I know I'm never going to reach the bottom of, like politics, <laughs> I have to take it in limited steps. Otherwise, I will just exhaust myself. But now I want yes. to start asking people, okay, what's the weirdest thing you decided you needed to learn about on the internet? <laughs> like, that would be a really weird question. And my best friend that I was visiting
1: in Texas last month or last week, um, she and I texted each other back and forth. Like every single day I was telling her on Friday, like, Oh, I'm really depressed today. And she was like, okay, like, I've here's all the kittens, you know, kitten videos, puppy yep. videos, <laughs> yep. sloths, hedgehogs. Let's go. Like everything cute and adorable. It's coming your way. And I
0: was like, I yes. hear you have a need for otters. I'm here for you. Oh my god, I love otters. Oh they're so my favorite. Good. I love them. They are my favorite. They're vicious little fuckers, but I like love looking at pictures of them. I think it's so cool though that you can have friendships with people that almost exclusively exist in your phone, but those are the people to whom you are very emotionally close, even though you don't see them very often.
1: Yeah. Well she and I met three years ago at a blogger can like a, it was um, a weekend at this blogger's house and she invited, like she actually rented a different house and then like 20 people from the internet came to her house
0: for a weekend. Seriously. So cool.
1: Yeah. And so it was just like, come, come to where I live. We will hang out in our pajamas. We will uh, go shopping for makeup and we will play games and we will chat, and the internet will be in our face.
0: For what know, blog set two this and a half up? Days. That's so cool. What blog set that up?
1: The lady that set it up, and I'm—I think she's she's doing it this year. Kim and I aren't going, but um, Temerity Jane is her like internet handle.
0: That is seriously cool.
1: Yeah, and I went to that. So I went to RT last year just by myself. Showed up because yep,
0: I remember you guys. Yep,
1: yeah, because you guys were like, no, it's totally cool, just show up, you know. And so I had done the same thing with, with this weekend because my husband had followed her on some World of Warcraft blogs. And um, she, was, she was part of this community, and she basically got tired of, like, gamer dudes being assholes to her.
0: Oh, you don't so, say. The devil I know you say.
1: <laughs> and so she was like, you know... I'm going to take my toys and go do my own thing. And good then she, her. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And she, you know, developed this whole new, uh, community around that. And my husband just like followed her was like, this is an intelligent woman who's really good and talented at what she is doing. I'm going to pay attention to her stuff. And so when she had the weekend, he was like, I want you to go make friends with these people because you will like these people. And so you should go do it. Aww. uh. My my husband is the best. And yes. so I went out there and um I was wearing a a Star Trek shirt that said "Trek yourself before you wreck yourself." <laughs> and Camo and was like, "Who are you? We need to be friends now." Oh. So that was that was kind of how she and I made friends and then like we see each other a couple times a year um my husband works for Comic Con here in San Diego. No way. And, you're like yeah. you're
0: like married to one of the kings of the nerds. I I really, really am. He is uh, he has got mad nerd power. He
1: he does and he plays um the Game of Thrones card game and he is the reigning uh North American champion
0: Holy for shit. that game. Holy shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's seriously impressive.
1: Yeah, we 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 get deep into the nerd.
0: <laughs> that's hardcore nerdery right there. That's really awesome. Okay, yeah. so let's get hardcore nerdery about you, okay? Because that's not well. We're no, don't apologize. This is all awesome. <laughs> We're just going to get hardcore nerdery about you because that doesn't feel awkward or weird or anything. Um, I, I made like notes. I am prepared. (laughs) You're the best. You're the best one. You're just so awesome. So you emailed me because Mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about how you have adapted reading when you have uh, learning disabilities. Yes. So tell me about your learning disabilities. Okay. So I have um, kind of a cluster
1: of... Learning disabilities, which are um, dyscalculia, uh, well, dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. I don't know how many of your people, how many of your other listeners, have kind of bumped into these. Dyslexia is probably the um, most common one that people right. have heard of. I was actually doing some research this week because while I did a lot of advocacy stuff when I was in high school, and then still in college. Um, I, it's, I graduated college like 11 years ago. So I was like, okay, I got to, you know, buff up and make sure I'm not like giving people false information. It was actually really interesting when I was reading through the stuff on dyslexia that it was saying, um, that it is a, uh, genetically linked really? neurobiological.
0: Yes. I did not know that.
1: <laughs> well, I, when I read that, I was like, oh, of course it is because <laughs> I have it. My half brother has it. My half sister has it. My nephew has it. My, yeah, yeah. So this I was not a it.
0: surprise and yet it was a bit of a surprise.
1: Yes, yes. I was like, this makes total sense. Um, but so dyslexia is, well, I have a very technical definition here, but it's, it's basically, um, in difficulties when, uh, reading words, letters flipping, writing words backwards. Mm-hmm reading them backwards. I was talking to my nephew. I was asking him like, okay, how do you experience dyslexia? Because it's not, not everyone experiences it the same way. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, sometimes letters will like flip and, and spin on me. Like a B will turn into a D and a D will turn into a B. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so do they, do you like blink and the letter fixes itself? Or do you watch it spin? And he's like, yes. I was like, no, that was an either-or question. (laughs) (laughs) Which one is it? And he's like, no, it'll do both. It just depends.
0: Wow. So it's almost like the signal between your eyes and your brain, like the signal gets crossed back and forth. Yep. And it's
1: being neurobiological, it's literally the structure
0: of the brain Mm -hmm. is different from the structure of someone else's brain. So you have dyslexia and dysgraphia, which is difficulty with writing.
1: Yeah. And... And, and dyscalculia, which is, um, it's a difficulty learning comprehending arithmetic, but it's also both both dysgraphia and dyscalculia. Um, well all three of them have to do with like difficulties orienting, yourself for letters or characters in, in, in like space. Like, um, so we will have difficulty differentiating left from right. We'll get lost a lot. Um, you know, flipping numbers, flipping numbers in a long sequence of numbers, you know, it might say one, four, two, seven, and you might write, you know, one, seven, two, four. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're doing arithmetic, that's a really bad thing to
0: do. (laughs) Yeah, that that creates a few problems.
1: Just a couple here or there. (laughs) But yeah, so reading dyslexia is difficulties with uh, information getting input into the brain. Uh, Dysgraphia is difficulties getting information back out of the brain. So Mm -hmm. writing it down, typing it out, things like that. And then uh, dyscalculia is kind of that with numbers. So,
0: but if you're an avid reader, um, you mentioned that you have made a lot of personal adaptations to make reading more accessible to you. Yeah. I am so so curious. What, what did you figure out how to do and how did this happen and what did you do? Yeah. So, um, my mom
1: got her master's degree in special education when I was, Around nine, mm-hmm. so my half brother and my half sister are sixteen and eighteen years older than I am, and so she had known that they had dyslexia, but um, they didn't really have interventions for it when when my brother and sister were kids, um, and so then when I got into school and started having the same issues, wasn't reading, wasn't. Um, you know, ha- was really struggling with it. Not just for me, but you know, she had an interest in it. But she she became a reading teacher and got her master's degree in it. And so she knew um, what to do with me. That you know, an early intervention um, would be the best, and the best thing to do with someone who's dyslexic is to teach them phonics, because phonics is uh, a method of teaching people language by correlating sounds with letters. So when I read, and I don't know if everyone does this, because someone, one of the pieces that I read for this, it was saying like, dyslexics, when they read, they read out loud in their head.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I am not dyslexic, although I think I have some manner of dyscalculia because I can't, Mm -hmm. like I can't hold numbers in my head. I remember phone numbers by the song or the pattern, if I have to remember a phone Mm -hmm. number if it's not in my phone automatically. Um, and I can't do math in my head. The numbers won't stay there. It's like, it's like, it's like trying to write on a tablet made of sand. So the minute I try to remember one number and then move on to the next number, the first one disappears. I cannot do math in my head and navigating streets in cities where the numbers are the streets. That's just terrible. I, New York was a pain in my ass, (laughs) but I also, right, right. (laughs) I also read aloud in my head. When I'm reading and I'm not dyslexic, but I do that exact thing. It's, and it's interesting. Cause I talk to people who don't do that and they're like, I don't even understand how that works. I'm like, well, how do you not read aloud in your head? Yeah. Brains are and weird. see that's,
1: yeah, it it brings our weird, you know, and it's um, the one of the things that it just kept popping up over and over and over and something that I have like harped on is that, you know, dyslexia, um, any of these, you know, kinds of learning disabilities, they appear in people of, um, you know, normal to above average intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're stupid. It's not that we're lazy. It's not that, you know, we're dumb. It's just our brain functions
0: differently. And when you're uh, young and you can't learn to read, then the problem is that you're not reading. The problem isn't why can't you read? Yeah. So, that, that's, that's always effective.
1: Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and <not. laughs> um, it was really, really discouraging when um, I was young because, you know, even in, like, second grade, third grade, you know, getting books assigned uh, for reading and my mom would just have to, like, nail me down yep. <laughs> to to force me to read. And when, um, I remember one summer when she was trying to teach me phonics, I, we were traveling and we were staying in our motor home and she got up from the table in the workbook that we were working on to, I don't know, go fix it coffee or something like that and I literally jumped up from the table ran out the door got on my bicycle and just like rode (laughs) as far far away as I could get you
0: left dust trails yeah I was just like I'm not going back you can't make me look I can't nope any harder I'm noping the the most nope has ever been noped is happening right now bye (laughs) (laughs) we worked
1: on that and then um when I was in the fourth grade she started buying me like Archie comic books and Betty and Veronica comic books and Garfield comic books and Calvin and Hobbes. And I could read, but the pictures would help.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I went from, I went from that into reading Nancy Drew's and I read Nancy Drew's like obsessively until I like broke the Bible for writing those books like, I figured out who the villain was
0: mm-hmm. every
1: single time because of when they introduced them in the story. It's always the same beat, right? Isn't it is. That it weird? is. And then I started reading, like, Michael Crichton and, uh, Mary Higgins Clark. And once I was able to figure out the most common, like,
0: constructs of language from learning phonics, it got easier to read because. English has a lot of words, but we use the same like small percentage of all those words most frequently.
1: Yes, frequently although one of the things that I was reading it was saying that dyslexia exists in every culture and every language around the world. This does not but surprise that, me No, but that it's easier for uh, people who speak like more uh, like the Romance languages. Um, you know, so Italian, French, Spanish, it's easier in those languages than in say like Chinese or Japanese, because the more dependent the language is on your understanding a character, the harder it is to overcome the dyslexia, right? Like this symbol, this symbol stands for something.
0: So one of the things you mentioned when you emailed me were the tools that you use for writing and reading. Um, how did you adapt digital books, especially to, to your reading style and what, what works best for you? So I have um, friends whose children are dyslexic and I introduced them to a font that's designed for mm-hmm. dyslexics where. The open dyslexic? Yes. Where yes. The, the bottom of all the letters is thicker. So it's almost like it visually weighs them down and they don't move. Yeah, And yes. once I, um, I showed them how to increase the margins so there's no blank space and increase the size of the words. So there's fewer words on the screen. They were like, Oh, I can read this. This is not moving. The words aren't going anywhere. I can read this. And I was like, yes. And then I introduced them to all the free shit on the library and their parents, the parents were like, well, this is both good and bad because now they're not doing their homework.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that, that is actually what I, um, exactly what I do. Uh, Kindle has, Open Dyslexic as a font that you can select yes. uh, in, in their books. So I do that. And then I also find um, for me, I set the background to the black
0: background with the white text. Oh, me too. It's so much easier to read.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I just do whatever I can to make it kind. <laughs> so that's primarily how I do that. And then also, like I mentioned, if, there's, like, a foreign language or um, even some books that I've read that were, like, written in English, but um the one I read last year. Anyway, the author, like, wrote in a
0: thick... Like British dialect, yes, dialectical dialogue. Like when you read a Scottish romance, and the hero is always like dinna and all these other words. Yeah, fash, Act. Yes, <laughs> don't din- don't Dinafash yourself and yada yada yada. All the sort of transcription of, of Scottish terms. Yeah, it's writing in dialect can be very tricky. So is that is that hard for you? It it can be because if I can't figure out
1: how to say the word I pretty much am not going to be able to like read it because you're reading aloud
0: in your head
1: that makes sense yeah yeah so like with um the trouble with mistletoe Mm -hmm. the hero in that book um I think his name is keen k-e-a-n-e the entire time I was reading that book I'm like Keen? can Keenie? Like, couldn't
0: do it. And <laughs> Ke- in my- Keanu? Ke- Keanu, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe and it's Keanu. So, I don't know. Like, the book was great. I loved it. Couldn't figure out the hero's name the entire time. There needs to be, like, a <laughs> phonic guide to, to names of contemporary heroes. Yes. Yeah. This is how you say this name. <laughs> and I, I...
1: I I tend to read more, um, historicals because I've like figured out like, okay, I'm never going to know how to say out loud marquee uh, when I read it, but I just know that that word is Marquis and not Marquess. Well, it is actually
0: Marquess in England, but it's a (laughs) French word. So it's Marquis in French, but the actual English say Marquess, which I think is so wrong. Sorry, England, but that's way wrong. (laughs) So, yeah, See, and I that think, just confuses me. And I think you're right. I think it would be Marquis. But no, Marquess. Marquess. Okay. Right? No, uh-uh. that's not, I can't be the right, but that's what I've been told. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's just going to be a word I'm always going to struggle
1: with. But I feel like the most part, like you, once you have, and, and I, this gets into the other part of it, that why I tend to prefer romance to other jo- the genres is that once you have figured out the world that this takes place in you don't have to keep figuring it out yep. have to keep relearning those words and those settings you you know
0: you already know what they're like
1: yeah like this is the 400th, you know, historical romance novel you've read. Aren't you tired of it? No, not
0: nope, not really. Nope, historical <laughs> is a world that is consistently built for many, many years. As Kathy Robin from RT likes to joke, we've been reading about the Regency like nine times as long as it actually existed, but that's okay. We're going to stay there. Yep,
1: yep. I'm totally happy with it. Yeah, I, I do struggle with the, the contemporary heroes, um, but as, as long as the, you know, Follow the rules of phonics. I can figure it out. When I was at RT, um, I was actually uh, talking to Sonali Dev at the at the book the book signing. She was asking me like, "Oh, how did you read the book?" And I said, "Well, I'm I listened to it." Um, and uh, she was like, "Oh, why? You know, she was she was pretty interested in, in why I did that." And I was like. I'm not going to know how to pronounce or say those words. Um, you because know, because the phonics even, are
0: different. Yeah, even the construction and, of the syllables is different between languages.
1: Yep, and um, so it allows me to enjoy that story, mm-hmm. um, and and that book has an amazing narrator too. I just like I think I listened to the entire book in like one weekend. Uh, It was just great because then, you know, my, anything that cuts down interference between my expressing myself um, and, you know, taking something in or putting something out, anything that cuts down the interference, I'm all about that.
0: So e-books and computers must make things a lot easier for you than when you were younger and those things weren't as easily accessible.
1: Yes. And I actually, um, my mom kept me, like, from being officially diagnosed until I got into high school, because um, she was like, okay, I'm just going to work with you really, really hard at home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I'm a teacher, and I know how to do this, so <laughs> she just, you know, would work with me with um, at home on all of my assignments, and, you know, reading things to me and all of that, but by the time I got to high school, it was beyond the point where she could compensate. Uh, for what was going on at school at home. And so I got tested in high school and got put into um, RSB, and got um, my accommodations.
0: RSP, is that like the designation for special accommodation?
1: Yeah, RSP is a resource specialist program. So it's for people with mild to moderate learning disabilities. And, um, so my, my RST teacher, um, uh, Rosemary, she, um, I'm still in touch with her. Like she's, (laughs) she was an, um, she is an amazing, amazing teacher and woman and compassionate. And, um, so anyway, we would, you know, she would sit down on our IEP meetings and, and my mom was there. She was there the school counselor, the school psychologist, you know, all of the people that are part of that group that build, that build uh, an IEP, which is an individualized education program. Mm-hmm. So th- that is like the rules for what a person with learning disabilities has, what their accommodations are going to be. Right. So for me, I actually, in high school, my junior year was in honors English and my senior year was in AP English. And so when I would have to write essays in class as high school teachers are want to do, um, I oh, would just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would just take that writing prompt up to the RSP room and would type out my essay and then print it out and take it back to the teacher. Um, and then I would have like exams re- read out loud to me, and then I would verbally answer back the correct answer. Um, oh, that's cool! And I, yeah, um, I took Spanish, and I took three years of Spanish in high school because, and I'm actually really good with like accents when I speak in in foreign languages because I did Italian when I was in college, um, so I'm really good at hearing the differences in accents and how to pronounce things it's just writing is a mess but whatever um but like when i would take my spanish tests my spanish teacher would set aside a time where we could sit down and then she would verbally like if it was you know spelling in spanish um she would say the word to me and then i would spell it back to her for math with the dyscalculia um i was given a like very basic computational calculator Mm -hmm. um and when i got into like logarithms and trigonometry and stuff like that um i was allowed to have a three by five card where with with the formula written on it and so then i could use like okay i see the formula and i know that this is the computation that needs to happen and i could take my exams that way
0: Mm -hmm. it Uh, must have been very frustrating for you um you know, before you figured out how to make reading functional for you, it must have been so frustrating to want to read things and then not be able to, mm-hmm. especially once you discover the genre that you like.
1: Yeah. And I, I got into reading romance when I was in high school. Some of the first like romances that I read, one of them was called The Pearl Stallion by Ray Muir. Have you ever heard of that one? No it's i think it's out of print um but i ordered it off amazon and got like a replaced my paperback copy because my paper back had gone the way but it's like this girl who's in jamaica i think and she wants to go back to england because she's like a debutante and um so she decides that what she's going to do is she's stow away on this ship and she's going to go back to england Except she doesn't realize that the ship she is stowed away on is actually like a merchant vessel that's going to be traveling, um, around the world. And Oops. so, yeah. So she ends up on this ship and of course she falls in love with the captain. Um, of course. but it's so fascinating because he like the descriptions of like the different ports and how like he takes something that's, you know, relatively crappy and not worth a lot but then he'll trade it. And so like he goes to Hawaii and he trades with the people there and he goes to Japan and he goes to China and he goes like, I think to Australia or something like that. But anyway, he like travels all around and each time that he goes into a port, he trades up his cargo. And then by the time he like goes back to Jamaica, he's got like Chinese silks and pottery and kind of stuff. But like, it was just like, this is a whole new world. This is amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then I think other books like this. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Give them to me now. (laughs) And then I, um, the other one that I distinctly remember reading in high school was um, uh, reckless conduct by Susan Napier. Um, And that was actually one that I did a Habo. Uh, to find the name. and I was like, This book is so full of crazy sauce. Aren't those the best? And it's like, oh, it's so great. It's like, it's one of those uh, set in Sydney and it's like, this woman is a, a secretary and she's in love with the boss, but like she would never do anything. And then um she like, wakes up after I think it was like a New Year's Eve party and she's got this hangover and she's like I don't know what happened and then it turned out that while she was drunk she'd hooked up with the boss and like she's having all these like flashbacks of like why why am I picturing him without his shirt on right now (laughs) how do I know what his chest hair looks like that's not adorable (laughs) yes yes and then like the description because it was written I think it was written in like 95 um, and so it's got like her description of her dress is like this gold dress with a huge
0: shoulder pads. Yes, and like really puffy <laughs> sleeves and, um, you know, the taffeta rustles. And you're like, oh yeah, gunny sex dress. I wanted <laughs> one of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so great. Um, but yeah.
1: And I, and I think just like, anyway, getting back to like the accommodations, getting frustrated, but, um, it was harder. I wasn't, like I would read I read some romance in high school but um it wasn't really until college and then graduate school um where I really started reading and then when I got uh when I started reading ebooks it just it all went downhill from there (laughs) because I'm at like
0: 845
1: books right now I think
0: nice Uh, having (laughs) having read um Did you ever think when you were, when you were booking it the hell out of the trailer, like mom, I'm so out of here. Did you ever think that you would be this much of a reader? No, not
1: even a little bit. (laughs) And that's, that's the one thing because my daughter is, um, she's seven and she sees me reading all the time and she, isn't dyslexic she doesn't have any of the learning disabilities which thank god for my husband's genes i'm just you know genetics um but she she is an avid reader we started reading her harry potter when she was in first grade because i couldn't control myself (laughs) Um, but you know and and she um she was reading prisoner of azkaban to herself this year and i was like this is not like this is fastly getting into the territory of not age appropriate um, and I need to find things that are more age appropriate to her and so I went back and like re-listened to the episodes that you did on like books for kids mm-hmm. and like am constantly like quizzing my friends and quizzing her teacher okay what's, what's a good age appropriate book because I literally I have no knowledge of the books that a first grader, a second grader, a third grader would read because I didn't read at that time. Yep. And so, you know, here she is, these, this, you know, bright, verbal, um, cheerful child going, I want to read, mommy. And I'm going, I want you to read.
0: What should you read? <laughs> this is where the internet can help you a lot. Yes. And it it has, and
1: then it, um, my mother in law is a retired children's
0: librarian. Oh, it, you have an in house source.
1: Yes, and so I definitely like go to her. I'm like, okay, so what should she be reading? But then she has like her own like thoughts and preferences. She was like, you don't want her to read Junie B. Jones because Junie B. Jones is a smart aleck. And and then my other, my
0: other friends, like no grandmother's supposed to like Junie B. Jones. Okay. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the other things you were going to tell me about is the books that you've read in romance that had dyslexic characters in them. Yes and that uh, you've struggled to find a really good, accurate, or at least affirming portrayal of a dyslexic in romance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only read one contemporary romance that I can think of that had a dyslexic hero. And I think he was like, he would work on motorcycles you know because he was better with his hands and he didn't want to have to think about like writing words and stuff like that and there was some descriptions of him in um like elementary school uh you know and just like it almost made me cry because I was like he could have had
0: intervention and he would have been fine <laughs> <laughs> like he should this should have been better for him Yes, yes, like, and, and
1: it's not fair. Like, it's not fair. He could have, he could have been so successful if he just had the right teachers. And like, the, the teacher shouldn't have been like that. Like, I got really upset about the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't blame you.
0: I yeah. totally don't I, blame you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had such amazing, incredible advocates going through school. Um, You know, and I was, and I just was like, no, he could have had that. (laughs) But then, um, like there was one historical romance that I was reading and, um, like the description was like, oh, the letters would flip and dance and spin before him on the page. And then they would just disappear or melt into each of the lines would melt into each other. And I remember being like furious and going to my mom and being like, that's not dyslexia. What is this author doing? She is so wrong. Blah, 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 blah. And then my mom was like, that's not how you experience it. But that is how some people experience it. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <Come on>. yeah. <laughs> But I, I think, um, I think to me, if that's, um, it's being dyslexic is the only thing about the character, you know, he's perfect, except for the fact that
0: he can't read. That's the thing that he's constantly talking about as a character. Yes. Yeah. That gets on your that's, nerves.
1: Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. Because I'm like, okay, but I have this. And it's like uh Asma Khalid on the politics podcast when she was talking about being um a Muslim American. And she's like, I am more than just being Muslim. Like, you know, I'm a, from, you know, i played, I think, tennis or soccer. But she, like, talks about all, you know, I have all these other things that I define myself at. And I look at that and I say, yeah, I'm dyslexic, but I also have all these other ways I define myself which to me are more important. And so when you get a character in a book that's like, I have this disability and
0: that's the only thing about them,
1: I get really frustrated.
0: <laughs> I completely understand that. I mean, it's a it's going to change the way you interact with things, but it's not the only thing you think about. Totally. And
1: and um, like my my nephew that I was talking about earlier, he um, he said, yeah, you know, the words do this when I read, but I'm still an avid reader. I've read the entire Harry Potter series five times and he's like and I've read Percy Jackson a bunch. And, you know, he happens to prefer like the fantasy genre. I get I, I love Harry Potter, but Harry Potter exists. In like a plane of its own in my mind. (laughs) But, um, you know, but yeah, we struggle. We're slow readers. That's not, I'm going to overcome it because the enjoyment I get out of reading is greater than the frustration that I experience when I read.
0: Right. And once you figure out the system that works for your particular disability and the way it manifests itself, Once you figure that out, you've got a, you, you, you have the ability to read as much as you possibly want.
1: Yep. Yep. And I mean, I still, I, being my, being nice to my dyslexia means that I get to, you know, I typically read about 70 to 75 books a year.
0: Okay. I think that's the nicest thing to say, being kind to my dyslexia, being nice to my dyslexia. That's a really good way to put that, that that's like it's a part of yourself that you have to take care of. It's yeah. really lovely.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I think that there are a lot of things in this world. Uh, I will say there are a lot of things about myself that it has taken years for me to figure out. I just need to be kind. Mm hmm. To myself, mm-hmm. I need to be kind to my body because you know what is the only body I've got. Yep. I need to be kind to my brain because yep. it's the only brain I've got, um, and just accept that these are things that I'm not going to change or am not going to change without w- a lot of effort. And to me, there are more important things, you know, than you know
0: being. I don't know whatever ascribing to some external definition of perfect that you're never going to hit.
1: Absolutely. So just say, you know what? I I am this height. I am this weight. I, my brain functions in this fashion. Uh, Let's make things as easy on us as we possibly can. Let's accept it. And if other people can't accept it, then they can go screw themselves and,
0: (laughs) and uh, let's just exist in the world. Yep. The, the, when I finally got my brain around the idea that the the best way to approach my own health is to accept that there are a lot of images of what fitness looks like, and there is no way on this planet that my body will ever look like that. It's just not going to happen unless I somehow put my brain in a whole other body. The, the one that I am currently using, the, the one that my brain inhabits, is never going to look like what I am told fitness looks like. That said... I work out five to six times a week. I run, I lift, I have muscles, I'm strong. I can pick things up. And I'm like, but those don't measure. I'm weighing myself or measuring myself against some definition that can't even exist in the same planet as me. That's just silly. And realizing that, like you said, this is the only one I'm going to get. That is really important. So the question I always ask everyone, if you've listened to the podcast, you probably know, are what books are you really, really enjoying and want to tell people about? Um, let's
1: see. Well, I'm currently making my way through um, A Duke of Her Own, uh, so I've I've been reading all all of the Desperate Duchesses series, um, and so I'm finally into this book. And actually, I'm. Um, Facebook friends with Elise and she was like that's my favorite book in the series and I was like
0: (laughs) 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 she loves Eloisa James like her ultimate comfort like okay it's time for me to go to like Defcon 5 comfort needs is Eloisa James all
1: the way yeah I did make a list of like my favorite like books that I can just pick up (laughs) any anytime Mm -hmm. and read um but I, I always, so last week when I was in, in Texas, my friend took me to the used bookstore in her town. Oh God. And, um, <laughs> so I spent like two hours in there and that's it was, a good I, friend.
0: I, like that's the best kind of friend.
1: Dude, it was great. We like, <laughs> we went to the candy store. We went to the game shop. Oh, that's like we A plus adulting right there. Yeah. It was like, I'm gonna go to Texas, what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna go to all the little stores in your town and then we're gonna watch T V and it'll be great. Um but yeah, I threw like eight books at her. Nine. <laughs> I threw nine books. I was like, No, but you gotta read this one and this one Okay, that's the second book in the series, but you can read that one independently and um and I will order you the first one offline because blah 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 and so <laughs> I definitely, she was like, I'm, this is going to take me like a year to read this. No, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, but then I picked up like eight books for myself too. Um, so I've got the, um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips, the one where it's like the girl's chest with like a little, um, whistle in the middle of it. Yes, I can't think of the name of that one, but I've got that one. That's probably going to be one of the next ones I read and then also um Lady Claire's all that I want to read that one so so badly but I I haven't been able to like I was like but I'm reading Eloisa right now like I want to read this book but I'm (laughs) otherwise engaged at the moment (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh there's so many books I love so many books I love I'm trying to think what else um The Cracking King um, by Meljean Brooks is one of my like hands down favorite favorite stories that I think I, I accident like inadvertently squeed too much all over Meljean at <laughs> RD <RT> last year. <laughs> because I was telling her how uh with the Kraken King I read it when she released it as a serial and then I was like, No, but I need to have it as like one solid book so then I bought it one book digitally. And then when I decided I was going to RT, I went up to the Ripped Bodice and I bought a paperback copy of it to bring with me. But then I forgot it at home. So then I bought another copy of it at RT. She was like, are you sure you want to buy this? And I was like, of course I want to buy it because you're going to sign this one. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point and I love this book and I will definitely give away the other copy like don't even worry about it.
0: <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to make sure that you mention or or you know do you, anything you'd like people to know about dyslexia? When it comes to dyslexia, m- my general plea
1: is that if if you know someone that's dyslexic, or you have been diagnosed yourself, or you have a child that's diagnosed, um, it is not this great big terrible end of the world type of thing. There are wait, resources- so
0: it's it's not enough to fill like a three hundred and twenty five page book with with agony about how you've been you're dy- dyslexic. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness, the devil you say. Anyway, go ahead. It's not the worst thing that'll ever happen to you ever. It's, it's not. And I think that,
1: um, it has, it has taught me, um, persistence and, um, made me a kinder, more compassionate person. Mm-hmm. It, it can be, you know, it can be a good thing. So be patient and have hope.
0: I think that's lovely. And be kind to your dyslexia. Be kind to yourself. your dyslexia and be kind to yourself. And B, if, if you're working with a child that has a learning disability,
1: be patient with them because mm-hmm. it will take them more time, but it's okay. They'll get there.
0: Yeah.
1: And even if they don't, there's other
0: things about them that are fantastic. Right. And that is all for this week's episode. I want to thank Elizabeth for contacting me and sharing all the information about dealing with learning disabilities and wanting to read and read all of the things. Like I said in the intro, I will have links to all the books that she mentioned, but also some resources for people who may need some more information. And yes, I will link to all of the podcasts that we talked about as well, should you be needing to expand the number of uh, shows you listen to. This podcast is brought to you by Kensington Books. They need you to know about The Maverick Cowboy by Kate Pierce. And you know what? You probably do need to know about this book. It sounds really cool. Ready? Okay, here we go. After a turbulent childhood, the Morgan brothers went their separate ways, leaving the family cattle ranch and their cowboy days far behind. But now, one by one, they're being called back to California. Have they been summoned to save the land or to start a new legacy? In the second book in the New York Times bestselling author Kate Pierce's The Morgan Ranch series, The Maverick Cowboy... Blue Morgan finds himself ready to come home. After 10 years in the Marines, all he wants to do is live peacefully. But upon his arrival at Morgan Ranch, he discovers he may have a daughter he didn't know existed. Juggling, reconnecting with his brothers, and his new relationship with Maria, Blue doesn't have room for an unplanned romance, but he can't seem to shake the sparks between him and horse veterinarian Jenna McDonald morgan ranch is always full of surprises and you can find the maverick cowboy by kate pierce on sale now wherever books are sold and on kensingtonbooks.com the music you're listening to is provided by sassy outwater you can find her on on twitter at sassy outwater or you can find her at sassy outwater on twitter this is a song called a track maybe it's probably a track called spiegel and nongo by Pete Bog Fairies from their album, Dust. And you can find them on their website, on iTunes, and on Amazon.com. I will have links to all of those places in the podcast entry. I will also have links to all of the books that we discussed, both at smartbidgestrashybooks.com slash podcast, and at iTunes.com slash DBSA, where we have all of our most recent episodes. If you would like to support the show, or you'd like to help me shape the coming year of episodes... Have a look at patreon.com slash Bitches for as little as a dollar a month. You can help keep the show being as marginally professional as it is now. And you'll be able to help me commission transcripts for episodes that don't have one yet. If you've had a look and already become a patron, thank you. You are entirely made of awesome. Future podcasts will include me with other people talking about romance novels because that's what we do here. But on the meantime, in the meantime, on behalf of Elizabeth and Orville and Wilbur, all of the animals that make noise in my office. And everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have an excellent weekend.